Welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com, where the discovery of self has put a show away. With a thousand plus archive shows and new shows coming to you every Tuesday, we bring you illuminating people from around the globe. Visit our store for their services and books and enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition for the love of music. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is James Cope. The James Cope Experience. What is it and how do we find it? What is it all about? Well, that's what going to be find out today. James Cope has been around for a long time. He's a beautiful singer that sings his music, uh, Maria Schaefer and Daniel Field. And we're going to be hearing some of that music at the end of the show. But he's a veteran American expo- uh, composer, uh, lyricist, arranger, um, producer. He's created music that spans across multinational borders as well as focusing on the music scene uh, right here in America. The experience is a a new benchmark in the music entertainment, a kind of sort of Broadway-ish pop jazz uh, bossa nova and a little cinematic music affair. In addition, there's quite a few pieces that are performed in French and Portuguese for the European market and the South American music lovers. So this documentary, let's find out how it came about, his musical years, what drives him forward, and where does he find the music within him? Because it doesn't just come from a cloud you pick up above. This is something that has to come from the soul and the heart. And what triggers that soul and heart to produce such beautiful music? Welcome to the show, James. Thank you very much, Sarah. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I've been listening to your music as I was preparing for your show, and it's it's so smooth and so calming and so kind of inviting, you know, I just like, li- like, like a long stretch, you know? It's really cool. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, I, I, I hear that from people, and it's, it's gratifying. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to hear that, because that's, that's how... Um, that music kind of you know crosses some of those genres, I think. So it's, it kind of smooths its way across the the seams of of different music types, I think, and and blends in. And I I uh, I'm excited to hear that. I think uh, almost kind of a different era when you hear music like this, where it really was about kind of the the calming effect of music. You know, the music that kind of goes in and reaches down into the heart and the soul and stretches everything out and, and draws a feeling out. And we've kind of stepped into an era where everything is really fast and busy. But there's something to be said <laughs> about that long, stretched out music that just makes you feel it in the way. Yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting comment. I I, uh, I find that um, some of the, the phonetic kind of music that's out there currently and over the last, I don't know, eight, nine years or so, it's just that. It's kind of frenetic and it's very, you know, um, kind of makes you a little bit nervous sometimes. I mean, I'm I'm all about, you know, (laughs) I'm all about, you know, having some uh, up music, some of the up-tempo stuff I do, you know, um, you could dance to it, uh, you could do salsa to it, you could, you know, that kind of a, that kind of a style that's still up-tempo and still, Mm -hmm. you know, exciting. But um, I, I do agree with you that that um, it does harken back to kind of an era where where things were um, you know a little smoother, and um, I think it kind of fits. That's why the market that we kind of have to push through, though it does cross into other markets. You know, it does cross into the pop, it does cross into standards, and 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 that sort of a thing. But it does it does have a, a 
place in what we call the smooth jazz sort of a thing because it it it, it is that somewhat you know so well, it's music um, right. that you can, you know, like there's the certain music as you, you as you call it, we kind of call it sometimes a little schizophrenic, and and you could really only listen to one or two, and then you're fried. Um, but you, right. know, you know, your kind of music is something that you can just leave the album on, and uh, it's uh-huh. there, and you can still be doing something, and you're st- you're feeling that the music is kind of your coworker. You know, somebody that's kind of there supporting you and making you feel good and keeping you focused. And, uh-huh. you know, I think that's... Um, oh, that's cool. I think that's what we need I right like now. That. You know, we need yeah, that right yeah. now, right? I, I, I hope so. I mean, I think you, you, you kind of hit it on the head. It's like a warm colleague mm. that just kind, of, yeah. just kind of nurtures you along. You kind of work off of each other, feed off of each other, and you're you're doing some good things. You get some stuff done, and you're you're happy with the music and yet each piece that comes on you know you're kind of a little bit excited to hear what comes on next mm-hmm. because each piece is a little different and uh, that's fun yes. that makes it fun and then sometimes you kind of find yourself singing along and other times you just find yourself being sung too um, but then, <laughs> you know, I think this is the thing that we've kind of forgotten about nowadays it's um, uh, one of the problems I think with humanity is that we're all too busy and we don't know how to take a breath uh, and mm-hmm. just be still in the moment. And uh, everybody's busy chasing happiness and that golden oh. apple. And uh, it's not to be chased. It, you find it when you're at your still. And uh, music is a way of bringing us back down to our center, isn't it? You know, centering is it, calming it, it us it and is. helping us focus on really what is meant to be heard. It is. And that's that's one of the things that I, you know, have kind of stumbled across over the years. Yeah just kind of reflecting on it and over the years and, and coming to this place, you know, some of the writings I do for different, different news outlets and so on is, is, is it has a spiritual undertone mm-hmm. to it, an underpinning. And, and music can be spiritual in many, many cases, and I don't mean in terms of, of uh, you know, a religious uh, uh, bent, if you will, but it, it, in the secular sense, though, uh, spirituality is everywhere, and if you if you approach it with with uh, you get something out of that the spirit of music that that helps you live a little better and if you sit there and and let it uh, soak into you 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 feel better and and that's part of the spirit moving through you I think and yeah. that's that's kind of how I approach it I just approach it like, as you described it basically <laughs> well so, if you think about it music uh, has been used in every spiritual practice uh, throughout the, mm-hmm. the it doesn't matter what the religion is uh, music's been oh, used yeah. for healing. Uh, music's been, uh, you know, used to tell a story. I mean, what would the movies be without music? Um, you know, it Nothing. is. It, it it's uh, <laughs> you know, try listening to something silent. You know, it's a totally different meaning. Um, the music is that you know that that other component in there that will dictate exactly where you're going to go and how you're going to receive the scene. Um, so if you look at it, it, it is uh, our scene setter for our own lives, isn't it? And if we want to kind of mellow out or if we want to get up and boogie or whatever the case is, that music mm-hmm. will set that tone for us. And we need to be more in tune with what music does for us. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, there's a, a website uh, that I've done some writing for. They've, they've asked me to do some different pieces. But, um, Deepak Chopra's daughter, Malika Chopra. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she has a, a site that's called intent.com and, and I've, I've written a number of, 
of pieces, essays for that. And one of them is the, the spirituality in music, and it just it discusses just what you've kind of described in, in, in you know very good terms. You've you've kind of hit it on the head. You know that, that music from the beginning of time, through whether it was religious practices or whether it was exciting exuberance uh, for some sort of festival, whatever it is. Uh, you mentioned the movies. Yeah, what would the movies be without mm-hmm. music? I mean, it'd be pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you, you'd lose your attention span in about two minutes. You, yeah. I mean, it'd be gone, right? So it, it, music is is within, and, and that's the spirit in the music, and it creates spirituality that we feel and that we get some joy out of. And that's that's part of what my quest, if you want to call it that, um, goal, a mission, uh, is putting the melody back in music, uh, uh, spirituality with that that people feel good it's a positive message and and the music is attractive so that you know hey I want to listen to this you know and uh, whether it's uplifting whether it's a little melancholy whether it's up tempo or whether it's a ballad that, that's the whole process and, and each subsequent album may have a different theme as I move forward here but um, well, that is within exactly now, where do you find it within? What what makes the music come out of you? <laughs> I, well, I guess it's just kind of one of those things. I, I've been asked that. It's difficult to explain, but um, I think some artists come across it later in life. Um, I was uh, blessed, uh, some people say cursed, but I say blessed, with, with uh, knowing I wanted to do music when I was a child. So... Mm-hmm. It just kind of started when I was uh, six or seven, and uh, kind of went on from there. My parents, of course, were very supportive. Uh, my father came from a musical family. Um, my mother did a little bit. Um, and so we always had all kinds of different music uh, in the house. I mean, you do it. you're probably too young. But uh, back in the day, there were things like Book of the Month Club, um, there were uh, uh, programs called uh, Album of the Month, and my father, uh, being from a musical family, uh, actually his bro- his oldest brother, uh, uh, was um, a maestro. He was a conductor and orchestra leader, and he studied under Lent Bernstein for a number of years. Mm, be a gift. And so they always had, yeah, that was pretty exciting times. I guess I didn't I didn't know what was going on. I was too young in those days, but. Uh, we always had different kinds of music playing on, on the hi-fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of those console series yes. with the albums, the 33 and a third. Yeah. And Pop would have all kinds of different things. We'd usually get two albums a month or three, depending on what he wanted to do. We'd listen to everything from from uh, Boston Pops to uh, uh, Miles Davis to Peter Nero to The Beatles to... Uh, uh, the Boston Pops, uh, you name it. And so as, as uh, I look back at it over the years and I realize, yeah, well, all these different styles of music that, that Pop exposed us to, um, that's where it's at. That's what I'm doing now. I'm doing kind of a hybrid global mm. jazzy type of music. So it does incorporate a lot of different, different styles. And I think it comes from that. I really do. I, I often think that, you know, what we... Um expose our children to good or bad mm-hmm. is you know mm-hmm. always going to have a, a seeded influence um i was just trying to think as you know as you t- i'm a 70s chick so the music you know late 60s and 70s for me um uh-huh. 
And I remember we had, you know, baby grand piano, and I remember trying to learn the piano, and I'm just not wired that way. I mean, I'm a dancer, so music for me is through, you know, expression of dance. I would have loved to have been able to sing, but I was asthmatic, so I could never get, you know, the lung power behind it. No. But music has always been something that, uh, that was another language that spoke to me in a way that I understood. Um, but I can't remember, uh, you know, we had the old, you know, radio, uh, radio is it radiogram, did we call it that? Um, the turntable, um, from the 33, what do you Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the yeah, big the consoles, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. and it was a big, huge piece of furniture in the corner. That's um, right, that's and, right. <laughs> and I think, my, I think my first record I bought when I was 14 was Paul Williams. Um, oh. And b- cool. and I was kind of into that kind of music as well as you know then going into the Doors and the Beatles and Earth Wind and Fire and Blood Sweat oh, and sure. Tears and sure. you know going through it all. But you know I would just sit there for hours just playing one record after the other, and that's where my pocket money went in you know, listening to music. Though I didn't kind of have a musical family per se, but I think uh, mm. music is something that uh, we learn to express ourselves through. And if we can't say it, you know, I think this is the reason why that m- movie La La Land has done so well. It's because don't right. we wish we could just get up sometimes and burst into song? Because we could sing <laughs> how we feel yeah. so much better than we can sometimes in speaking it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a glor- it's what's called a glorious expression of yeah. self. You know, you, you're going to get out there and you want to dance and jump and joy. And sometimes you want to sit quietly and do it. But you still, it's still the same expression. And and I think that your experience as a as a, a young girl, you know, is is was duplicated across the country, across Europe, across the world, in some degrees, especially in the U.S. here, where where we would all sit and, you know, yeah, remember it was called high fidelity, you know, that mm-hmm. console that you you described, yeah, so well, and and we would listen to forty fives, and we would do all that, and everybody would do that because that's that's how it was born, you know, that's how it came into this. Yes. this era now and in this you said the 70s and late 60s you know i talk about from time to time um how the 60s was such a, a such a, a a cradle of uh giving birth to to different styles of music you know in, in the 60s and the 70s kind of carried that forward a little bit but then it started to morph in the late late 70s in the 60s Every group that came out and every artist that that presented was really trying to be different. Mm-hmm. They they wanted they wanted to stand out and they wanted to be different. So in those days, as you, as you may recall, in the late sixties, we would hear on the radio um, we would hear a song that would be R and B, and the next song that would come on would be Dave Clark Five, yeah. you know, um, and, and rock and roll, and the next one that would come on would be uh, in the late '60s, would be um, uh, Peter Paul and Mary, yes. <laughs> you know, a little bit of folk music, and, and then we'd hear something um, from Pat Boone. I mean, seriously, it was it all was a complete eclipse all over, Absolutely. and and everybody was was striving. Yeah, and and I think I think that the way music has gone lately, in the popular, not the classical, but in the popular genre that you hear. Yeah, it's kind of become homogenized. You know, you can kind of close your eyes. You hear a song. It doesn't matter who sings. It seems like the same song you yeah. heard just a little bit earlier. And um, I think people are kind of, they want to hear something, you know, not like that. Well, 
the thing is, yeah. is that you know that all the people that you just mentioned, you, you, you know, mm-hmm. the the their music is still very current today. You know, how are we going to say twenty years from now who's current right now? You know, then that we right. that's still going to be around. Some of them will be because some of them. Um, have as they've grown, you know, they've come out of their pop stage and they've gone more into their musicianship and they've, you know, they've grown and developed. There you go. And you know, some there people are go. just there; they're just that, you know, that pop and that's it, and off they go. But you know, I'm, I go. was raised yeah. in England, so of course I had the transistor radio underneath my pillow mm-hmm. at morning school, which because I wasn't meant to listen to it, listening to Luxembourg, right? Um, you okay. know, the, uh, the pirate uh, station that um, was not meant to be on the air. And, you know, listening to all the music <laughs> that, you know, of the era, uh, Rolling Stones and, you know, uh, all of that, um, you know, great era at the time. And if, if I cool. got caught, I got into trouble. But, of course, that was part of the fun of it. Um, oh, sure. And, sure, you, know, you were a rebel. I was a rebel. Absolutely, <laughs> completely. But, uh, you know, again, the music for me, you know, was my yep. friend. It was my companion. And, uh, you know, I found that where and I think you know I often say I'm a person who does suffer from depression and I think music is one of those beautiful mm-hmm. um instruments that helps you come out of it um sets you free and equalizes mm-hmm. you and you've got to know what your music is which music does that for you right sure that's why others uh, there that's why there are different genres of course mm-hmm. because you know people gravitate towards the thing that moves them a little bit and and in my case um because I'm creating it, uh, it's it's um, I'm I'm focused on uh, music with melody, with passion, mm-hmm. and trying to get the melody. So the five minutes after you hear the song, it, it still may be humming in your head, and you can still remember it. That's exactly. that's the thing. As that's I said, it, it really does feel like a companion. And it really yep. does feel like a companion, and, and uh, it's it, it, a lovely feeling because you feel like you're not alone. You've got somebody there; it, they're helping you through frass times, or they're just helping you relax and mellow out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. great music to drive to. You know, you're on the road, and the road is hairy, and you've got this calm, lovely music that's just mellowing you out, and that you can just cope with anything. And again, music is a tool. It's um, it's a drug. It's a tool. It's a an uplifter, and it's also a wonderful way to express pain. You know, a breakup, a heartache. You know, sure, play that sure. piece of music, yep. have a good cry. There's a little story about that with a group. If I could share it with you, yeah. just as a little comment to what you just said. There and I don't know the individual's name um, or the players in it, but I but I I heard the story some years ago. There was a group back in the you know, late '60s, early '70s called the Buckinghams. Um, you're probably familiar with. They're an American group actually, and they had a number of, of big hits um, on on the radio station. But they were songs that actually had a great melody. Um, hey, baby, um, was one of them. Uh, there's in the stories about the the hits, like they'd have a hit like every six months or something, every nine months. I mean, you know, come up, and and as it turns out, <laughs> the song the songwriter for for the, who is one of the band members, I believe, uh, he had this sort of tumultuous relationship with this this girl, and every time they'd break up, which was frequent, he would write a new song. <laughs> and that that song uh, uh, became a hit. One of them was called Susan. Um, you, you probably remember some of them. Um, I, I can, I, I, can 
I can hear the music in my head as soon as I say the name of it. And and so he would write a song about the breakup, and that song they recorded become a hit. Right. And so they had like about five five of them like that, and it was just based on right their as as you mentioned, you know, relationship, you know, and so. But that's how that Taylor Swift has become so popular. Every time she breaks up with somebody, it becomes a hit song. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it does give you a lot of emotional power to write something, right? Yes. I mean, you got to get the, either that angst or that love out, whatever it is, or a combination of both. Usually, in a relationship, you've got both. Right? So, um, yeah, it, it it works like that. It does work like that. But, but it also is is really a is. statement of you know, like uh, you know, <clears throat> my song at the present moment is "Rise Up" by Andrea Day. You know, we're in mm-hmm. troubled times. Everybody's in confusion. Uh, nobody quite knows what's going to happen. And this is a time for us to rise up, not in arms of weapons, but locked in arms. And, you know, that's why sometimes the music becomes that music of, of unison, isn't it? It's that anthem that brings people together, that call to to unite. Um, I don't think there's anything in the world that's more powerful than music. That's true, and <laughs> yeah, as a statement, that's that's like that's a good uh, a good statement. I I do believe too. If you carry a little bit further, uh, because music, um, from that point, take it into this is a personal thing. Yeah. You hear song A, I hear song A. It may affect us generally the same way, but we might take something yeah. a little bit different away from it. Each of us, right? So it becomes. Um, you know, it's like reading that novel. Oh, I really took this out of it, or I got this too, but I also got this. Yeah. So I, I believe it's a personal thing, and, and I'm kind of a, how can I put it? I'm kind of a lone wolf. My my <laughs> my path in life has been sort of, um, I go off by myself a lot, and, and uh, I, I spend a lot of time just kind of doing my thing. And I think that music will will help generate energy um, for all of us, whether we're, you know, doing our own thing or whether we are the type of people that need to have other people around us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of those things, but I think music works works both ways. And that's what's so cool about it, because the spirit of music does affect each of us, and how we how we use it is what's important. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, going back to that companionship, you know, you can be mm-hmm. out on your own and um, whether you're carrying the music with you or not, if you're tuned into music, you'll hear the music everywhere. You'll hear it in <laughs> nature. Right. Um, a beautiful right. movie, August Rush, you know, demonstrated that. You know, how a little um, yes. prodigy could hear the music and everything. And and I think, you know, having lived in South Africa for a number of years, uh, you know, listen oh. to the African people just in the way they talk you know, the rhythm mm-hmm. of their bodies um, or when they're working and in unison of song. It's just such the depth of harmony, you know, the rhythm and the flow of life. And I think that's mm-hmm. the thing is we've got to turn off our static and start tuning into the music that is everywhere and let it be our guide. I couldn't agree more. I'm all about that. <laughs> so the mu- I wonder why. I, I'm all about the music. Yeah, I wonder what. And, and you know, the, the 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 comment you made about the word you use, nature, mm-hmm. earlier is, is you know, this is the very first music where where's yeah. where birds. Yes. I mean, 
there's no question about it. They had their song, and it was for a purpose, of course, but nevertheless, uh, it was music. So, you know, from there on, everything spawns. There's an interesting um, thing going around Facebook, and it's uh, somebody <coughs> took a picture yeah. of these birds on these uh, wires, telephone wires, and each one of them mm-hmm. were kind of placed differently. And as a, a musician, he decided to put up musical notes up where they were, and then he mm-hmm. played that music, and it played uh-huh. a beautiful tune. And you know, <laughs> you're right, so they were tweeting right? <laughs> this uh-huh. beautiful tune. Uh-huh. And you yeah. know, we're, we're inclined to kind of ignore nature, thinking that we're above it, but without nature, we are nothing. And I think we really have got to start being more in tuned with what's around us um, in so many ways. E- even if you're a musician looking for a muse, you know, looking for something that means something to you, tune into nature, listen to the water running down the creek. You know the the rain pitter pattering on the on the roof. Um, everything has its own beautiful signature, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And uh, I mentioned birds earlier. You know, I'm I'm kind of I'm not fanatical about birds. We do have some birds as as uh, cohabitants in our house. But um, if you if you pay attention to birds, and and this is interesting because it's one of the few creatures, wild creatures we can see any time of day and and even a few at night depending on the bird they're always around us we're always they're always there and and so many people don't pay attention to them but it's one of the few creatures in wildlife that is like that in fact it's really the only one that is like that and they are the first ones to actually create music Mm. and and the way they live and what they do if we pay attention to that you can carry that all the way through into music I mean, think about what they can do. Yeah. I mean, they can fly. They're self-sustaining. They can sing. They know music innately. They they live. They they have some of them have colonies. Some of them are solo. I mean, it's very very interesting if you pay attention to that. And uh, I don't know how we got on that, but anyway, I just thought that was interesting. No, no. I've, my neighbors downstairs have birds, and they've got one bird mm-hmm. called Schmiegel. And, uh, and and very often Schmiegel is very very opinionated, and they, you know they'll tell him to be quiet, and he'll be quiet for a moment, and then come right back at them again. <laughs> I don't want to oh, be sure. quiet. <laughs> no, no, they're they're they're, they're very interesting. Um, uh, just to follow up on that, we we have one bird that is is a cockatoo, a Moroccan cockatoo, hails from. Oh, the Malaysian area down in through, and even down as far as Australia. They're a large white parrot type bird, and they have different types of them. Uh, she, the Moroccan uh, strain of the bird is, 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 I think, the second largest, and they're pretty, they're pretty good size. They're a beautiful white, creamy white kind of a color with orange undertones, and they can talk. Um, and uh, they're they're sort of like a three year old all the time, perpetually, <laughs> right? Well, Joe, this this one came to us <clears throat> through our youngest son. Uh, he called up and said, "Well, look, um, I have a friend of mine. She has to uh, move out with her grandmother, and she has this bird with a cage. Can you keep her for a while if we bring her up to you?" I said, "Sure, sure, bring her up." So they get to the door, and I open up the door, and uh, my son Danny says. Uh, this is um, uh, Josie and Banjo. So I reached my hand out to shake hands. And I said, hi, Josie. She says, no, 
I'm Banjo. The bird is Josie. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I looked at her, and I blinked my eyes, and without thinking, I said, were your parents hippies? <laughs> because, and she looks at me, she says, you know, they, they kind of are hippies. I think they named me because they were like kind of like in that hippie mode, you know. Let's yeah. call her let's call her daughter banjo. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that was kind of a funny story. And and Josie's been living with us. We actually never heard from her again. I don't know where she moved to. And and uh, Josie has um, well, she's a very strong personality, <laughs> and and uh, she sings, she 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 talks, she dances, she squawks, she. She wants to be where you are. She's very sweet. Um, you can cradle her like a baby. But birds, um, as you mentioned, the, the word opinionated, mm -hmm. uh, that would apply to Josie. That <laughs> would apply to Josie. So you, should, you, try to, you try to learn from that and, and take a little joy from it. You know, it's pretty funny. I'm, I'm going to hit on instruments now because you mentioned the banjo. And I recently watched this beautiful <coughs> movie. I think it was Kudo with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, like a Japanese okay. animated movie of this kid who would play the mm -hmm. banjo and then um, paper would come into, you know, making um, making things out of it. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, the music and, and just the cinematography, everything about it. It's a beautiful little music, uh, mm -hmm. movie. And again, one of, one of those kind of movies that without the music, it would be nothing nothing at all exactly. You know? um, exactly. um, but you know instruments you know what what instruments speak to you do you have a favorite instrument or are there two or three I, I do I have like maybe two or three that's that's a good good comment um, guitar has been for some weird reason I have no idea um, must have seen it somewhere on guitar uh, TV when I was a little kid or something of course I always my, my first idol music idol if you want to call it that you know your kid right was uh, Ricky Nelson, and uh, Ricky Nelson, of course, you know he played rhythm guitar and all mm -hmm. that stuff. But uh, guitar was was my first. Still is. I do all almost almost like eighty percent of my original composing when I first sit down to do it is on guitar. And the voicings, everything on guitar. Then I transfer that to keyboards and back and forth, things like that, and then. Uh, next would be, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, I love I love uh, flutes. Mm. Uh, I love the sound of, of an alto flute, and and in fact, um, on the album that we're doing for 2018, which will be next year, I just moved it out to 2018. Um, there's there's a couple of orchestras. It's, it's going to be a large orchestra affair. We're going to be doing a big 65 piece orchestra album. With um, it was kind of in a, in a live format, like uh, like they used to do in the Frank Sinatra days. Right? Nice. So we're going to do that on a big soundstage. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of classic pieces in there, the for flute and alto flute, along with the uh, Nova guitar and orchestra with the strings. If you add alto flute with Nova guitar. And strings, Mike. It's it's incredible. Mm -hmm. That sounds like. I, I mean, I'm not the first one to do that by any means, but now we're going to do it a little bit differently. And so I I, I love that instrument. Um, and then there's kind of an oddball. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word love with it. Um, I became very proficient at it. I became actually quite good at it. Um, not bragging, but I mean, I was I became good at it um, when I was in junior high school. 
besides playing guitar, uh, they needed they needed um, you know instrumentalists for their for the band. And they came around and said, "Okay, do you want to play in the band?" I said, "Sure." I said, "What do you play?" I said, "Well, I play guitar." Well, this is a um, what they call an orchestra band. It's primarily made up of brass, woodwinds, um, percussion, that sort of thing. And uh, said, "Well, we need a tuba player. Can you? Play? You're going to learn tuba, I said, okay?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was conscripted, so to speak, and uh, uh, I started taking lessons. And I learned to play the, the double B flat, which is a great big tuba that goes up upright, and then the, the E flat, which is a little bit smaller. It's a four valve instrument. Um, and then also, of course, when I got to high school, I played the sousaphone, which was in the marching band. You know. And so in college, my first year in college music school, I'm a, I was a music major, of course, and uh, I, uh, I majored in tuba first year at University of Wisconsin. I, I changed later and transferred to the uh, college conservatory, uh, which was a classical-oriented uh, uh, private music college, and I transferred to composition, orchestration, and classical guitar. And I kind of stopped playing the tuba at that point. But um, that, <laughs> that instrument had a, had a big impact on me, and uh, I, I kind of think I brought that along with some of the orchestration thoughts and some mm -hmm. of the bass undertones some of the bass undertones because we would we would play of course you know in the tuba section you're the, really the bass section you're the under underlying strength of the orchestra yeah. so um, I learned a lot about that so those three instruments were just kind of and as you can tell like my music they're all three different yes exactly Exactly, but that's what makes it interesting. That you know, you you know, you're not a a one note, you know, um, musician. You know, it's mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. you listen to something and it's really great initially, and then it becomes monotonous. You know, you you mm -hmm. go, you've got like you know, you're like the the water and the and the river constantly running down the rapids. You know, sometimes it's a little choppy, and other times it's really smooth, but it's constantly moving. Um, and that's what you want music to be. You want it to be comforting and your friend, but you want it to be moving. Because you want it to help you move forward in life, so it's not about yeah. You hope you hope so. You, yeah. you definitely hope so, and and that's that's I think the difference between composing and just writing a song. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you and I, I'm not trying to set myself up anywhere on top of a hill or anything. I'm just saying that when I approach it, I like to approach it like composing, whereby you know it, it incorporates those things you just described. Versus just sitting down, I'm going to write this pop song, I'm going to write the next pop song, I'm going to write the next one after that, and it's going to be that cookie cutter thing. You know, they yes. have these, yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, uh, the one studio that I do a lot of recording at um, in Hollywood here is, is called Paramount Recording Studios. They're really, really great people, uh, nice studios. Um, and uh, they have uh, a couple of times we've been in our studio recording and I said what's going on down there oh they're having one of those songwriting uh, songwriting um, group things you know where they they have a I don't know who, who leads it it might be you know somebody's had some success uh, in pop music or something and then they they they, uh, they bring in the, the the people that want to learn or that are songwriters that want to learn more how to how to write those kinds of songs you know, yeah. and so it's like it's like a, a clinic, if you will, a mm -hmm. songwriting clinic, 
and and it's basically that cookie cutter kind of a thing. Well, here's what you do: you do this, you put this riff down, then you take that riff, you put it over here, you do this, you do that. I'm like, really? You know, I, <laughs> I just I just would never think about ever doing that. You know, right. I mean, and it's not snobbery on my part. I just don't operate well, you're like a that. Purist. Thinking, you're a purist. You're a purist. You know, and these people are probably just looking to kind of either seek the fame or just you know get out there. And do so, and you can tell that though. When you're listening, you can tell. You know, there are certain songs that just are very catchy, mm-hmm. and they're great for the season. You know, uh, but then that's it. And then there's you know other songs yeah. that you know twenty years later you can still be listening to because they've got some depth to them. And that's the thing is yeah. the layers will speak to you uh, to whatever frame of mind or wherever space you're in, and that's when the right. music really is very encompassing. So there's ones yeah. that just get you know titillated and feet going, and there's ones that yeah. kind of speak to the soul and the heart. So it all depends yeah. on the approach. And interesting, interesting stuff, isn't it? It is very interesting. interesting. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I wish I'd been a musician because you know I think I've got a musician's heart. Um, but you do, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> but you know, again, was not the gift that I was given at all, but just the appreciation for it because you know, as I said, it sets the stage, and uh, you know, if we look upon it as as being our guidance in life, um, mm-hmm. you know, looking at it as being our platform. Um, it, we can take a very bad mood and change it around from just putting on a piece of music that's going to uplift us or mellow us out or speak to us in a way that we need to be spoken to. And I think, you know, music, uh, the diversification of music is something that we need to be open up to. Um, you know, you look at some people's playlist and it's all, you know, boom, boom, boom. Well, you know, you're wondering why your life is choppy and boom, 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 and you're never calm. You know, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah, there's some truth to that. You know, you you surround yourself with something. You uh, that's how it's going to be. Exactly. So I think you're I think you're absolutely right about that. If you're stressed um, out, there's a reason behind it, right? So it's good. Yeah. It's good to kind of mellow yep. out and find something that it can express you. That's the thing. And as I said, listening to the music. Now, let's talk about your artist. Um, uh, okay. Danielle. Let's say, sorry, just getting to her name here. Where is she? I had her. Um, the beauti- oh, Danielle Field? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful voice. Absolutely beautiful yes. voice. I mean, she's like that that, that liquid gold, isn't she? That, you know, that just pours out of her. Yeah, she's a, she's a, uh, a little gem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I call her my, my, my little star. She's, she's a little gem. And, and um, tremendous power, uh, tremendous, uh, I can do better. Uh, we're in the studio, and 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 actually, both both of my my um, I'm very blessed to have found these two wonderful singers, Danielle Field and Maria Schaefer, and um, both of them. Um, I can do I can do that better. Well, let's do another. Let's try it. Let's try it again. You know, it, it's it's exciting. It's kind of not, I don't want to know. Maybe maybe a little rare. Um, and and so gratifying that you know they want to put their heart and soul and everything they got in it, and so uh, they do, they do. And, and yeah, and you can and, and you can hear the results. You know, if you can hear the singers that are singing on top of the music, and you can hear the singers that are singing with the music. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. I know what you mean. So yeah, you know, right. the, you know, when when she's singing, she's she's part of that fluidity. 
you know, like Absolutely. she just becomes part of the river, and uh, you know, becomes that uh, her voice is 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 an extended instrument in the music. It is. It, Whereas it is. you know, yeah, sometimes very, you hear a song so. and it's and it's so detached that it becomes mm-hmm. that rather you know irking. So you know, really smooth and beautiful that that goes along with that. So tell us yeah. about the the James uh, Cop um, experience. Well, the, the, the experience, yes, the experience is really, um, the documentary kind of leads you through that uh, in a sense. It should, be, it should be ready by the end of this month, early early February. We're doing a lot of the final editing right now. It, the making of the James Cove experience. And the James Cove experience really is, is a little bit different treatment, and, and it's uh, discussed and sh- and shows you how it works in the documentary. In, in that, each song um, I approached it a little bit differently. Yeah, sort of uh, the story of the song. Okay, and most songs, not all, many songs are stories. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the stories are, "I love you, baby. Do you love me? <laughs> I love you." That's it. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> wrong with that, right? Uh, you remember the Beatles? She loves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And that's all right. Um, and these stories uh, of the songs themselves are a little, carried a little further. And so what I really wanted to do with this is because, you know, I, I'd used the word composing before and, and creating and things like that. So I wanted to look at a little bit bigger picture, to be real honest with you. I did this with intent. And, and the point was, um, the stories um, carry forward into such that each one is, is going to be, or actually is, uh, sort of like a little miniature Broadway vignette all unto itself. So when we go out, um, uh, hopefully this coming year, uh, into uh, performing arts venues and theater venues, it, it'll be staged presentation. And we're not going to be musicians on the stage just for the sake of that, which is great. I love concerts. It's all good. Uh, but these will be treated uh, where the musicians perform the story through the music. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, there's there's even uh, background staging already storyboarded. Um, there's a movie uh, video outline that we're going to be filming this year for uh, behind the musicians under... Uh, certain time cues um, and I tell a story for example uh, one of the songs You Belong to Me on this album uh, is a story of uh, you know, a typical young couple um, you know everybody's in love and all that good stuff but the 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 young woman is is sort of complaining to to her oh that you know they don't spend enough time together and he doesn't get it like most young men don't <laughs> get it right <laughs> or older men they don't get it either so it's, <laughs> it's like what are, you t- what are you talking about I'm right here you know that kind of thing so it's a story of that and and uh, the depiction of that is is uh, scripted already for a, a little video background of, of this couple and what they go through while it will and then we then we refocus on Maria singing the piece with the musicians. And so, and then there's a background staging for another song that's actually theater staging, kind of like West Side Story, where Danielle sings a semi-unplugged piece uh, that may, be, may become orchestrated later. But right now on the album, it's called If I Could. It's got a strictly um, acoustical guitar with, with 
with her singing, and she's singing to her boyfriend or child or whoever it is that she's singing to all by herself, but it's in a staged presentation with, you know, an alley, a background tenement, and all that, that sort of thing. So it's going to be presented uh, completely different in the performance, of the, and it's, it's actually the experience mm -hmm. that the concert goer is going to have, because the next one that comes on, unlike a Broadway show where they start with the story here, go all the way through intermission, finish up with the story here. Each one of these six or seven minute pieces is its own story. So they'll, they'll see the one that will be uh, the cover title with the, like for now, the uh, the piece so right that we just released. And and that's a Brazilian nightclub scene. Okay? It's y'all singing about how, you know, her love is great and all this stuff and the guy and her Brazilian nightclub and all that. And then the next piece could be the If I Could piece, which is kind of a calm down, a young lady singing to her, her special love in a back alley. And they'll say, well, what's the next one? Mm -hmm. You know, what's what's the next piece? And the documentary kind of leads us through um, the beginnings of how I came about doing this, how I got re reinvigorated to do this. There's a two-minute trailer on the website that goes through that. And I enlisted the help of a storyboard artist by the name of Robin Richardson. Um, who does a lot of movie storyboards in, in Hollywood, and she's also an art professor. And um, in fact, um, I call my people, <laughs> and not my people, I call them my people, um, I, the Team Co members, everybody's on Team Co, and, and all of my Team Co members are highly professional I'm so lucky to have been able to get connected with them. Like well, the singers that you mentioned, Maria Schaefer, and Danielle Field, they're both, well, Maria's graduated. She was a, a vocal major uh, in college, and she graduated there. And, and Danielle is a vocal major in college, right? I mean, these are professionals. All of my instrumentals, instrumentalists are professionals. Rob, my art, graphic artist who does all the album cover albums, the single artwork. She's a you know, graphic artist. Uh, Robin Richardson, the storyboard artist for the, for the cinema pieces. Um, all, all really great great in their own right and they've they've decided to lend their talent <laughs> mm -hmm. to the James Cole experience to actually create that experience so it's pretty exciting stuff and um, I can't wait to get all of that out into the live venue and that's yeah. upcoming I mean you know the thing is is that um, when you look at the media today it's all about mm -hmm. the star and you know the musicians are forgotten now, you know, back in our day, got to sound old, but you know, it was about the group. It was about everybody. Right. You may have a lead singer or a couple of lead singers, but it was about the group. Mm -hmm. And we seem to have left right. the musicians behind now. You know, one of the, the shows I love is The Voice. And I absolutely love uh -huh. how they incorporate the group. And you can tell, you know, the performers <coughs> that are musicians because the musicians mm -hmm. come and play alongside of them. And, you know, the voice of the singer is just another instrument, and they're playing along right. with the rest of the guys. And you can tell the difference, you know, vast, vast difference. And, you know, um, and it's exciting to see, because when you see the musicians getting into it, and you see the performer getting into it with the musicians, it elevates the entire performance. And I don't think we see enough credit going to the whole of musicians today. It all seems to just go to that one lead singer. I, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. And that's kind of why I, I really, I mean, you know, having been in a number of bands, large and small, uh, things of that nature, 
Um, it's all, it, it's a team effort, and that's why I call this whole thing Team Cove. All of my people are Team Cove members, you know, and everybody plays their part and they contribute to the whole, and that's the whole experience. So it's very much like you described, and, and I really, I really think that that's what's going to make it a big success. I think it will connect with people so much more, you know, because um, mm-hmm. it's it's visually giving you what people are hearing. And, you know, if mm-hmm. you're just watching a star up there, and very often it can be disappointing because you're just hearing them sing and they sound better on, you know, on your headphones than they do <laughs> live, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when you're, sing- when you're seeing them with, with the, you know, with the orchestra or with the band, you know, suddenly now it is a performance mm-hmm. acting the band um right. I, I interviewed gerald albright um the music and this guy and he was saying that he was four mm-hmm. years on american idol learn and of course that oh yeah and they're with people that aren't seasoned yet you know they're growing in the like, big arenas necessarily for performances i like the intimate you know more mm-hmm. uh, kind of quieter mm-hmm. club type settings where you can really let that music kind of just you know absorb mm-hmm. it like blotting paper it's uh but mm-hmm. it's great to see that music being presented to people you know that that mm-hmm. other people are being able to to uh, see all of the musicians and see where it all comes from because i think it's something that's forgotten it it, it can be forgotten and i think it starts it starts at the beginning when you first go into the recording studio um real quickly um you know i can tell the difference uh well when we did the the horn section for the so right cover piece. Um, I have one saxophonist who's tremendous, uh, tremendous saxophonist, Trip Sprague, uh, who's featured on a number of the pieces: uh, chromatic harmonica, soprano sax, alto sax, and tenor sax. And he's he's just just a wonderful. He's a great guy, and he's also a fantastic musician. And so we we brought him up uh, to do the solo piece. Uh, in that, as well as a couple others, and and we also contracted through one of his people to 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 bring in um, another uh, uh, group of, of musicians. I needed two two trumpets. I needed um, uh, another sac- uh, two other saxophones, baritone, and tenor, and two trombones. And so uh, brought them, and I said, look, you know, let's, let's make sure these guys. Uh, I, I want some good caps in there. You know, this has got to be. I'm going to give them the charts. They haven't seen the charts. I wrote all the charts out. I wrote all the arrangements. We're going to sit down. We'll go through a couple times, and we're going to hit it, right? Well, <laughs> what you hear on the album is really what, I mean, there's no tweaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, 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 we sat down, and there's there's a couple of shots uh, uh, on the uh, website, some photos of, of me conducting these guys. Uh, we went to a couple of a couple of rehearsals. I mean, you know, a couple of couple of takes. And boom, hit it! And these guys, these guys are good. Yeah. Okay, and you can tell that the pros, like Gerald, yes. you know, I mean, these guys, they can, they can sight read the charts. We made a couple of tweaks here and there. Let's let's do the phrasing a little different. We ran through it. Boom, hit hit the recording button, and don't mess and with off it. We don't go. mess with it. Right. Yeah, yeah, don't mess with it. And and my engineer that uh, is is my go-to guy. I have two of them. Steve Ullman is the primary, and he's also my associate producer. Um, and then Matt Lawrence uh, also, but Steve uh, uh, kind of makes a comment in the documentary where he says, you know, and I talked with him about this because to me it was like I was bewildered. 
when he was telling me these things, I said, well, you know, you, what do you do, uh, you know, recording other groups and other arts? There's a lot of hip-hop, a lot of rap and stuff like that going on. And, you know, that pays the bills for the studios, and that's cool. But uh, he said, well, working with you is great because when, the, when you bring in your musicians, they're really playing instruments. I said, what do you mean? What do you mean, really playing instruments? He said, well, the hip-hop guys, they're bringing a, they're bringing a laptop computer, and they yes. got, they got uh, patches, and they've got samples, and they punch that up, and they play that. And then the guy does the, the rap to it, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. I said, are you serious? And so, I mean, that's just, I don't do that. I've never, never been exposed to that. I mean, I'm a little naive, I guess, in that regard. But he told me about it. He says, that's why it's so cool. We have real musicians. And I mean, we, we brought in to Paramount the uh, um, uh, oboist, uh, uh, Roy Wick, for um, One Piece, When We Dream, which um, we're going to be scripting a movie around that. And uh, she plays oboe. She's a symphonic oboe. She plays with a number of symphonies. In fact, she played on uh, with uh, the orchestra that John Williams conducted here recently for the Star Wars. So um, she comes in and we get her set up. And, and at that time, that was one of the early pieces we recorded at Paramount. I had a different engineer that I didn't know. And he says, what's that? What is that instrument? <laughs> I said, that's an oboe. You know, and he says an oboe, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it's a double reed instrument. It, you know, and I started telling him about it. He says, oh, it sounds so cool. I says, yeah, yeah, it's as close to the human voice as a violin, almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I like it. Okay, so um, he did a good job of recording, but um, I, I found that so interesting because they're only exposed to this yeah. sample stuff. Yeah. So it was just an saying, interesting you know, story. Musicians thrown to the background, right? Replaced by synthetic mm -hmm. stuff, yep. and it's like there you, you know, go. It's uh, we've we've got to get you know like like we have to get back to organic in our foods, and you know yep. uh, our treatment of the planet, and uh, and of course <coughs> you know organically behaving towards each other. We really need to go back mm -hmm. to you know to the organic in the industry, and uh, you right. you know when something is canned, and when something is performed. And uh, you know, I think that we're doing an injustice to our young people because we're not, we're not giving them that orchestra. And when they ever are exposed to it, you know, it completely opens up their eyes and their hearts to something different. And I think we need to do it more before, you know, it becomes something that's so obsolete to them because they've never been exposed to it. Just like that engineer, he had never yeah. heard an oboe, right. didn't know what it was, and it's like a lot of kids listening to the things they they don't know that it's not what. It they think it might be. I mean, they don't even know. So, it's it, you're right, and that's why when we do the live stuff and I do the recording stuff, it's all real, you know. And and all of the team members are all top notch musicians. And they, in fact, those horn players were so gratified when the guy cut the the, the lead contract. He was a baritone sex terrific guy. He comes over, and says, "Hey," pulls me aside, and says, "The guys," he says, "The guys want to know if you got any other projects coming up. They want to play on." <laughs> <laughs> and I like, and I like. Well, yeah, I do, but it's going to be a while. But yes, uh, I'll definitely, you know, bring you guys back in. So I mean, when you hear that, mm -hmm. you know. 
Well, I that's mean, it must, you know, that's compliment. food for the souls as well, isn't it? To be able to play mm -hmm. with yes, other good musicians. You know, I, I was saying to Gerald on our show that, you know, one of the thing, things I absolutely love is improv. You know, get musicians together. Uh, nobody right. knows what they're going to do. Somebody starts playing, somebody else, you know, starts playing their instrument. And then you've got this absolutely brilliant piece, this brilliant performance, and they're just unwinding. And, and it's never right. going to be repeated. It's totally in the moment, you know, and it's just, it's them letting their souls and their hearts out and play and connecting. And I yeah. think there's, n there's nothing better. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a lot of fun. You know, I don't care how synthetic they get, you know, um, music's going to be around forever um, unless Gestapo come in and refuse to let music voice, but then, you know, we can hum it. We can, <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's going to be around forever. It's going to be around forever, and, it's, uh, and yeah. it's up to us to, to use our musical instrument, whether it be a voice or whether it actually be an instrument or... Um, to, to make sure that we do express, you know, music is the poetry of our times, is the expression of our hearts, it's the, the fuel for our souls, and it most certainly is um, our spirit in action. So we need music in our lives and we need to be more immersed on where music comes from and the artists behind it, because I think that is just simple respect. Oh, I would agree 100%. You know, there's one, one, of, the, one of the neat things about technology, um, and I refer to satellite radio, um, is that uh, the venue of all the different genres is an open deck um, in a wide array, and I listen to it. Only, you know, not a lot, but when I when I drive a lot, I do drive a lot, and and I'll flip on different things. There's you know the symphony channel. I love I love some of that, um, and you get to hear that nonstop. You know, no matter where you go, as well as the terrestrial, some of the terrestrial stations which I do support, um, and, and the different the classical. Because, you know, I had a lot of classes. My, my whole college thing was, was basically classical mm -hmm. music training. Um, all of the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the classical history. training is like a, an actor learning on the stage before movies. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, a writer truly learning, you know, how to write before that famous book. And, you know, it's, um, it's, oh, it's, sure. it's the pain you do. It's, it's learning the roots of something. Um, it's truly encompassing, you know, everything there is to learn, so that you can be, you know, more rounded in your in what you're doing. So, I think, you know, as a society, we've got to stop looking for the quick fixes or the quick this or the quick that, and start slowing down, oh, paying attention, and, and and understanding yeah. that that to learn something from the roots up is truly what life is about in in everything that we do. Sure. And and it's a little in college um, because I didn't really have any classical training. I mean, I had private study, private lessons, all of that. You know, in 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 addition to my junior high and high school uh, training, which was good. It was really good. I was very fortunate. This is back in the Midwest uh, with Great Lakes, and it's really great. In those years, they threw a lot of money and funding for the schools into the arts at that time, and that yeah, was really, you know, to my benefit. But then in college, the classical was somewhat an eye-opener for me to a degree uh, beyond what I listened to at home. And, and the, 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 the students that, that came in to the conservatory and, you know, studied right along with me and performed. Um, and, and some of the music history that, you know, we would go through 
and to understand how the classics came about with the great composers. It's a little scary. It was a little scary, actually, learning about the composers. I think about it a lot today, mm-hmm. <laughs> for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, m- many, I don't want to use the word most, but many, many of the great, the world's greatest composers all ended up destitute and yes. and impoverished. I mean, their works like were, yeah. were, yes, were hailed at the time um, often and, and risen, you know, uh, to, to great heights. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, uh, later, of course, you know, they would either fall from favor or, or the, the patrons that were supporting them passed on or, or what have you. And in those days, of course, you know, the royalties, there wasn't anything like right. that. The retirement, there wasn't anything like right. that. I mean, you would, you would essentially just become an impoverished pauper. And, and many of the great artists, uh, uh, I mean, and using no pun intended. Uh, Sorry, Lou, you missed that. Could you just the four that? seasons? Four seasons, yes. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the four seasons, uh, um, and and Vivaldi who, who composed that. I mean, the man was hugely accomplished, hugely accomplished, a violinist, composer, and um, died impoverished. I mean, he was also a priest. I mean, mm. The man died with nothing. I mean, nobody even cared. And, and now the Four Seasons grouping of, of, of pieces is, is used in movies constantly. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a little scary to think about it. Well, know. this is, <laughs> you know, this is where I think priorities, you know, have to be redone. I mean, we've got, you know, um, multimillionaire mm-hmm. pop stars. Um, but you know, oh, the musicians. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. I often uh-huh. say this kind of industry, you're only as good as your next gig, um, mm-hmm. be- because you're always chasing that gig. But you couldn't do anything else because this is what you were designed to do, and this is the gift right. you were given t- to share. And um, but we right. really need to step up and have more respect for it because it's the, the actual artists, the musicians, the actors. And we are such a disposable society nowadays. And, oh, uh, you yeah, know, we've really yeah. got to start gratitude and appreciation and understanding the roots of things because you wouldn't be where you are today without those that have paved the, the way for you and respect mm-hmm. and value. And we see it when a star goes, you know, like we lost Sting, um, not Sting, um, um, Bowie last year and a few others. Um, you know, it's... Right. You know, that's when kind of people pay attention and start looking at their longevity. Well, how about looking at their longevity while they're still alive and showing some sure. gratitude now? You know, don't wait for it all to be once they're gone. So I think it's as with everything in life, right? Appreciation. Sure. Uh, the general public doesn't generally understand that. You know, I mean, is it the jazz musicians, for example who play clubs and things like that. They might belong to the union, they might not. But the point is, uh, well, gee, let's think about this a second. No Social Security for them. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I try to contribute a little bit to, to the Jazz Foundation for retirement. And I know other musicians do that uh, in an effort to, to help some of these greats that, that basically uh, forged out a path for what we call American jazz today. And and uh, you know they don't have the royalties, right? Uh, you know, and of course and the it, system doesn't look at them <clears throat> as valid workers. That you're, you're musicians, so therefore you're a bum, right? They don't look well, upon them as artists, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And 
Hey, look, well, that's your choice, buddy. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. it may be. Yeah. It may be my choice, but, you know, I mean, perhaps we can structure a little bit so that I don't have to die destitute. You know? Exactly. And, and, and also, <laughs> you know, we've got to stop looking at, uh, at the arts, plural. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop looking at it as something that's frivolous that we don't need because there isn't anything that we do today, you know, politically, socially, or anything that we don't do that isn't affected by the arts. That's right. That's absolutely right. And and one of the things that I, I, I didn't mention, but I kind of want to go back to for a quick second, is, you know, with, with the the sort of cross-genre styles that I use, um, in that sense, kind of hybrid global music. Um, the the experience, and you asked about the James Cope experience, uh, the experience is actually a hybrid art form. And it by design. And so, you know, we've got the music with the stories, we have the actual story being told um, in either film or staging, which is art. And then we have additional performers that may not be musicians, but might be actors on mm-hmm. stage as well doing this. So it's a complete, it envelops, you know, yes. all three, you know, acting, music, and art. All the arts are hybrid into the experience. So when people go to see that, it's going to be uh, a multi-art experience, which I'm, I'm, I'm real excited about. Yes. And so time for everyone to kind of look upon this as something that is really contributing greatly to our society as much as anything else as you seem as a necessity. uh, The arts are a necessity to us because they are our expression. They are our um, expression of our heart. They are the food of the soul. It it is a, a question of our spirit. And uh, it doesn't open our minds unless we have music behind it. So we right. really do have to uh, step up and start appreciating the arts, not just a few pop singers, but what goes on behind the scenes and all the musicians out yeah. there that are making those artists look good. Right. It'd be pretty boring if, if that wasn't there. Exactly. Gosh, take away Very music boring. and the arts and everything else in life, and what have you got? Oh, Non-existence. Gosh, nothing. <laughs> Non-existence. Yeah. Be, be like some, some Orson Welles uh, movie of the future, even now. You yes. know, it'd be crazy. And he yeah, had music like in that. the movie that set the stage. So. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> yep. so Absolutely right. We can't be without it, folks. So, so it's time to appreciate the, no. the musicians that are behind those scenes. Um, so, would you please tell people how they can get hold of you, how they can watch the documentary, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Uh, there's the, of course, let's start with the website, which is jamescobexperience.com. That's jamescobexperience.com. And in there is uh, all the information. There's links to the uh, music my uh, sites, as we call them. You can go to CD Baby, iTunes, Amazon, um, click on the button. Uh, usually, not, I think it's on the home page. You can click on that. There's also a music page where you can click and listen to some of the samples on this, this album that's out so right, which is being campaigned on smoothjazz.com. Um, the, the So Right single, of course, is out now. And we're, doing, we're excited about how it's doing, doing really well. We, we've been on, on the charts with the album and the other singles, so that's doing well. They can go to the website and hear that. The documentary page has a Watch Now link at the bottom of the one page that describes what the documentary is. If you click on that link, it takes you to a two-minute trailer preview uh, by filmmaker Mark Jacobs, who's done a lot of 
of big movies and TV uh, uh, movies, uh, things like Kevin Spacey, Lifetime Channel. Uh, he's a he's a very respected uh, filmmaker. Uh, Mark Jacobs has done a, a preview trailer that uh, gives you a little a little snippet, two minute snippet sampling of what the documentary is going to be all about and talks about that. It's 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 very well done. I love that. Um, and uh, of course uh, the the uh, sites where you can buy the music you can go directly to, as I mentioned, iTunes or Amazon. Wonderful. Well, I love the music. Um, you know, I love the way thank it makes you. me thank feel. You very so, much. thank you for for dedicating your life to the music and uh, <clears throat> bringing the experience to everyone else. And and in a lot of ways, it's it's not just opening up the doors to people seeing music or listening to music in a different way, but it's kind of an education of a musician's life and and what it takes to bring people that piece that they just play and ignore everything that goes on in the background. So. Um, a good experience and a good education all at once. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. Thanks for being with us today. This has been delightful. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. So, folks, next time you listen to something, truly listen to it. Try and pick out all those individual artists in there and maybe go in and look at, you know, who made the record, who is behind the scenes. A little appreciation for the artists that we don't ever hear anything about because without them, where would you be? A world without music? It's not a world I want to live in. Until next time, folks.
that we were 